Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The unseriousness about our economics from this administration. When things were starting to trend in a better direction, we said the words. We were honest. We were clear. We we talk a, a lot to uh, uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. We, we take a look at what's happening and we say, what does it mean? Now what we want it to mean, what does it actually mean? I don't think anybody regardless of their politics, somehow benefits from high inflation. Oh, we need that inflation high so we can win the election. The economy, when it comes to the electorate, is very much about a feeling than a reality. Now, that feeling oftentimes comes from reality. But it comes from the idea that there's somebody within the Oval Office who has an understanding of how to make it work. So much of Trump's success with the economy was based on the idea that people believed that they could make investments for the long term because the nation wasn't going to pull the rug out from under them. Now, certainly those people could not have predicted uh, things like like COVID, right? You could not have predicted that. You could, you could not have understood that effect on an economy. Now, you could argue that it would have had less of an effect if we didn't engage lockdowns. I won't disagree with you at all, kitten. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669 is the number. 833-GOT-TONY. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Become a supporter there. I'd greatly appreciate the help. And of course, subscribe on Rumble and on YouTube, where we often do the live stream like it's happening right now. People felt confident that they could make an investment and see that investment work out. When you don't see investment, very often it's predicated on the idea that the business owner doesn't know what's going to happen next, what an administration might do, what a reckless person might do that could change what their investment strategy was. That unpredictableness... That leads to a lack of security, and that leads to anxiety. And certainly that's what we see in today's economy. If the inflation rate were to go down, I don't believe that anxiety were to go away because the inflation did start ticking down, the anxiety didn't go away. And then the consumer price index came out last month, and or was it just a couple weeks ago, and we saw we were back to 3.9% inflation when the target rate from the Federal Reserve is 2%. Yet somehow this administration wants to tell us that everything is going super great. This was a couple of weeks ago, the president, Joe Biden. Look, put it all together. America has, this is a fact, the strongest growth rate of any and the lowest inflation rate of any major economy in the world, in the world. We have a lot more work to do. There's no question our plan of investing in America and the American people is working. It's all part of my economic vision, building an economy from the middle out, from the middle class out and the bottom up. It's all part of Joe Biden's economic vision, which he has when he's dreaming, when he's taking all of his naps, which are happening all of the time. It's his economic vision. His economic vision has us back up at uh, 3.9 percent. 
on inflation. Then there's the conversation about unemployment. The unemployment numbers are under 4%. They're under 4%. Isn't that wonderful? That's kind of a false number. I get why people would want to tout it. I, and I understand politically while they want, why they want to share it. But they're also the people who share, look at all the jobs we've created. People going back to work post-COVID is not job creation. And I put forth to you, based on the data, that no jobs have been created. We are still underwater, as Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, explains. We have not created a job. The Biden administration has not created a job. People going back is not job creation. It is this kind of mathematics that is so gross and so offensive when the Biden administration puts it out there. This was Jared Bernstein. He was on CNBC having this conversation and trying to play in this space when asked the questions by Joe Kernan. I'm telling you right now, if you're driving hands on 10 and 2, if you're if you're uh, utilizing a knife or any kind of thing sharp right now, maybe not. This is super frustrating. Listen, the grocery store, even though now it's only going up at three percent, that's still in there. And wage gains, okay. real wage gains didn't start until mid last year. So people are still their buying power is less than when President Biden came in. And you just have to acknowledge yeah. that and not say everything's great and that biden well, I, did all I, this as i said you know as i said in my first set of comments and the, as the president says every time he talks about this prices are still too high uh we very much agree w- with that part of your rap but let me tell you where i think you're you're a bit stale there my friend uh when it comes to uh, two issues there both uh, fiscal policy and inflation so on fiscal policy absolutely the american rescue plan was essential to get shots and arms and checks and pockets to get us to the other side of the uh, crisis induced by the pandemic. And remember, when when we came into office, there was about a zero percent vaccination rate across the country. So getting that program uh, going relative to our predecessor was essential for reopening the economy. But at this point, there is uh, zero or even negative fiscal impulse. And that's a really important term in this context. What it means is the change between fiscal uh, 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 fiscal activity last year and this year. And so fiscal impulse really isn't contributing uh, much to the uh, economy's growth at all. And why that's important is because we kind of have this virtuous cycle going. We have a 70% consumer spending economy. When you maintain an unemployment rate that's been below 4% for almost two years, and inflation is easing as much as it has, and that's the other part I, I want to push back on, those real wage gains, which have been year over year growing for 10 months in a row. Now, we need more of that, but it's not just a blip. Uh, they're supporting consumer spending on the private side. If you look at investment, private investment up uh, massively in terms of investing in manufacturing facilities. And again, the president's fingerprints are very much on that inflow of private capital investment. Now, on inf- let's be clear. The president's fingerprints are not on any inflow of capital investments. But can we take a moment to that line about shots in arms and checks in pockets? That line is so frustrating, I want to scream. Shots in arms and checks in pockets, you're proud of this? First, do not take credit for the spread of the vaccine 
When Biden took office, the vaccine was just getting rolling. If you want to give Trump credit for the creation of the vaccine and Operation Warp Speed, you go right ahead. But there was no vaccine to get rolling. So it's not as if his predecessor didn't do a job of getting people the vaccine. There was no vaccine to get going. And yet, this is a great example of this Biden administration again and again and again trying to engage a rewriting of history to show how great they are. You haven't created a job. People got back to work. You didn't vaccinate uh, America when, when your predecessor couldn't. There was nothing for the predecessor to give. The predecessor just did the job of creation. And then, of course, we know about issues with the vaccine that some people have and some people took it and et cetera, et cetera. This is propaganda nonsense from beginning to end. It is a gross, gross misrepresentation of the data, of the reality. The second part goes to the idea of the unemployment rate. Unemployment's under 4%. Does unemployment actually have meaning? And that's a, you will find people who have different theories and different philosophies to this. The unemployment rate matters. In, I, I think the expression would be insofar as the labor participation rate shows more people working. But if people have dropped out, well, then a, an unemployment number could be artificially depressed. The labor force participation rate shows how many people are actually in the labor force or looking in, in, the, in the labor force. If people have given up getting a job, That's less people in the labor force, therefore less people looking for a job. Unemployment what? Goes down. People have retired. People have said, I'm not dealing with this anymore. People have said, forget it. I heard a statistic. I thought this was fascinating. And and producer Jason, I want you to look it up. I was discussing the other day this idea of doom spending. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the, the term. Uh, it, it, it freaked me out. I, I, I have thought about it every day since I've gone over it. I've looked at it. And one of the things uh, that, that doom spending has the, the theory of is that you take a look at the fact that holiday spending went well. Where are these people getting the money? Where's all the money? How are the stores full? The, this economy is not okay. What's happening? The theory of doom spending is... People are anxious, as we've discussed about, the the anxiety society. And they need a way to calm themselves down. They need a way to make things better. What do they do? They buy a new pair of shoes. They buy a TV. They buy a this. They buy a that. They feel better. Well, what do they do about the, the debt side? I can't worry about that. I need to feel good. Meanwhile, third quarter credit card debt in America was $1.08 trillion. That is a foreshadowing number. We have not yet gotten the fourth quarter numbers. I'm waiting on those. We'll see where the debt structure is. The other side of, of, of doom spending is the idea that, well, it's all going to hell anyway. Might as well have a new big screen. It's all going to hell anyway. Might as well get those new Jordans. It's all going to hell anyway. Might as well go on vacation. It is the view that it's all going to fall off a cliff. And so therefore, get it done. And this is where an interesting stat uh, came in. The statistic, what was the statistic? It was a data point. Or maybe it was uh, anecdotal. Follow me. After September 11th, luxury spending went up. And producer Jason, I'd like for you to look that up. 
After September 11, 2001, the terrorist attacks, the murder of our fellow Americans, luxury spending went up. Now, I had never thought about it until the moment it was it was brought up to me. Uh, but the minute you hear it, you, you go, you, you take a breath and you're like, all right, I guess I could see that. People saw a terrorist attack, realized I could be gone any second from one of these terrorist attacks, might as well drive a Porsche. Might as well get a fur. I don't know if they got first. Might as well fly first class. Might as well buy a Rolex. I'm not doing a Rolex today. Uh, today I am doing the uh, 1959 Hamilton Thinomatic. Oh, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a classic piece. Maybe not the most expensive piece out there, but it's pretty, people. Um, you can kind of see that where people said this could. This could all go to hell so quickly. Uh, Let's enjoy ourselves while we can. The doom spending is an opposite mathematics and one that frightens because this same person who told me this, this, this bit of anecdote, who is a business owner in Indianapolis, was very clear that they don't like what they're seeing going forward. Anecdotally, this is the third small business owner. A nice size small business, mind you. Who has said they don't look like they don't like what they see going forward in 2024? Which brings us back to Jared Bernstein uh, from the White House economic team, who bragged about shots in arms and checks in pockets. You engage an unprecedented level of spending, and by the way, Trump engaged spending. You engage in an unprecedented level of spending, and you don't recognize how that caused the inflation. Are you? Is it that you think we're stupid or is that you don't care you're going to say this because that's how you get to keep your job on the White House economic team and who really cares about the truth or data or facts or decency or relevancy? The checks in pockets is the problem. The, the, the legislation that you're cheering and that people like Corinne Jean-Pierre cheer every day, that's the issue. Look what we did with the infrastructure. Look what we did with the Inflation Reduction Act. Spending on spending on spending leading to the inflation. The inflation fight is indeed a fight between Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, and Joe Biden and the progressive left, which was aided by a completely intransigent Congress because the Republicans are morons and they couldn't get their you-know-what together. Your cheering checks in pockets? Good Lord. You know, sometimes you realize that the the Democratic Party is really doing everything possible to make it easier for the Republicans to take the White House. It seems that way. And meanwhile, there are Democrats who are working to replace Joe Biden. Man, Congressman Dean Phillips is a story. I have that next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. And this is Tony Katz Today. Dean Phillips is a Democrat, and Dean Phillips is running for president as a Democrat, and Dean Phillips is hated, hated by the Democratic Party. I mean, you, you can't imagine how little the Democratic Party thinks of a guy challenging the sitting president. 
Well, I don't know if it's that bad. I don't know. Maybe. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. But when Dean Phillips is going on CNN and saying, if Biden thinks, if the Democratic Party thinks Biden can win re-election, well, they're delusional. That is unelectable. I mean, the data is showing every single poll coming out right now, Kristen, everyone is showing him falling further behind his approval numbers at historic lows. And I'm trying to generate a wake up call to Democrats that we have a real problem here. And rather than stifling and suppressing competition, we should be encouraging it. That's why I spent the better part of a year encouraging other candidates to enter the race. The water's warm. We need to practice democracy now. And I want to make something clear. The president is not a threat to democracy, but running and suppressing other candidates is a threat when you are behind in the polls like he is. And frankly, to disenfranchise voters in Florida and North Carolina, which is what has happened in the last two weeks, is also a risk. Damn. Damn. Um, I'm curious to, to, you know, in, in wondering how many people are going to challenge him for his congressional seat, exactly how much effort is going to be put into removing that guy from office. That is incredible to hear. Absolutely incredible to hear that kind of directness and, and aggressiveness uh, uh, directed towards the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, of course, uh, you have got the New Hampshire primary going on right now. Uh, Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Trump ahead between 17 and, and 19 points in that that final polling. I actually, I actually have that polling, don't I? Don't I have that poll? Yeah, I do. So here's New Hampshire. Uh, right there, real clear politics average, Trump 55.8, Haley 36.5%, which would have Trump up 19.3 because a couple polls came out in the last 24 hours that have Trump up in, in, in the plus 20 range. And then you look at South Carolina, and we're still looking at least when, when, when I got the numbers, uh, that Emerson poll from the beginning of January that puts Trump up 30, Trump 52, Haley 21.8. And DeSantis, 11 uh, in in this one. One would think that the DeSantis voter is going uh, to Trump and not to and not to Nikki Haley. I, I, I think more and more that that's, well, I think clearly the, the, the answer there, one would assume. Um, if, if the polling is right, and, and it's in this, you know, 17 to 19 range for, for Trump, and Trump gets seven, wins by 17, that would mean that Iowa was accurate in its polling and New Hampshire was accurate in its polling. And if Iowa's accurate, New Hampshire's accurate, there's no reason to think that South Carolina isn't going to be isn't going to be accurate. There's there hasn't been I, I want to just double check. There hasn't been a new number in South Carolina, has there? No, no, it's it's, it's still the same. So there's some polling I'm sure that will come. And for Nikki Haley to have a, a night, she needs to overperform. She needs to be able to bring in a number that is bigger or, or creates a spread uh, better than 17. If she loses by 15, that's not it. If she loses by five, well, then she can have a conversation. She might be able to get some donors to keep playing along through South Carolina and into Super Tuesday. She says we're not going anywhere. Well, uh, very often it's it's not what you get to decide. 
the people decide for you. This is Tony Katz today. I do love a good competency test. And I'm adoring the fact that this has now become the new litmus test. The insanity of this idea. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Rumble or on uh, YouTube and get the videos and everything else we do. Find everything at TonyKatz.com and become a supporter there. So Nikki Haley and Donald Trump have both decided that everybody needs a litmus test. Everybody. This is the best. Uh, but but I mean, it, this is this occurs in in different ways. Uh, it starts with Jim Clyburn, the congressman from South Carolina, who has decided that Nikki Haley is a racist for saying that a president Kamala Harris would be scary. When you listen to Nikki Haley, she says that it's not just about Biden, but about the vice president. That everyone should fear a president Kamala Harris. How should the Biden campaign be thinking about utilizing her, be thinking about pitching her as vice president just as much as him for president? You know, uh, when I saw that come from Nikki Haley, I was very, very disappointed uh, because that's to me is a dog whistle. Uh, This is all uh, about someone trying to instill fear in people. Uh, You don't get to talk about putting fear in people when every four seconds your party is screaming uh, that my existence is a threat to democracy. You don't get to talk about putting fear in people, Representative Clyburn, and you don't get to say that Nikki Haley is issuing some kind of dog whistle because she thinks Kamala Harris would be scary as president of, of the United States. She'd be frightening as all hell. <laughs> See, it's all, no, no, it's only funny now to think about when she's when she's uh, the president. That's that's just going to be awful. So there's this this idea that everybody, you know, oh, they're they're engaged in racism. Oh, they're engaged in bigotry. Oh, they're a threat to democracy. Right? All these bits of madness. The latest one from the Republicans is everybody needs a a, a test. You need a test in order to be uh, president. And and you're going to have to take uh, this this new litmus test, an aptitude test. You're going to have to prove your mental acuity. And they're both saying it. Haley is saying it. Even Donald Trump, you say you're showing a message of unity. How do you? They haven't even voted here yet. They haven't even voted. No, but I think I think it's not the party uniting around President Trump. It's the political elite that are uniting around President Trump, and the political elite have never been with me my entire career because I've always fought the political elite. It's why I want them to have term limits. It's why I
receive the budget on time, you shouldn't get paid. I fight the political class. Donald Trump has the political class surrounding him. That's not what Americans want. The political class has gotten us into this mess. We need a normal, real person to get us out of this mess. I am here to tell you that I would give anything to see an aptitude test take place. I would give anything to see Trump and, and, and Nikki Haley and Joe Biden all take an aptitude test. I would adore it. And Trump, he's down. Well, I think I'm a lot sharper than her. I would do this. I would sit down right now and take an aptitude test, and it would be my result against her result, and she's not going to win. She's not going to even come close to winning. Uh, In fact, when I heard the word cognitive, you know, I've taken two of them now. I took one with Doc Ronnie, who's now a fantastic, you know, White House doctor, and a fantastic uh, congressman from Texas, Admiral, the White House doctor, Jackson, Ronnie Jackson, and he's uh, now a great congressman from Texas. I took uh, one then, and I took one recently. I think the result was announced, and it was, I aced it twice. I aced it. But I would say that, you know, I've actually called for a cognitive test for anybody running for president, because I actually think that's a good idea. It would be nice to have an intelligent person be president. I'd give anything to make this happen. I would give anything to make this happen. What do I have to do? What fund must I contribute to in order to see the cognitive face-off between Trump and Nikki Haley? Oh, and Joe Biden. Anything to see it happen. Um, now, of course, you can't do any of this. I don't even believe you can give a cognitive test. There is no requirement under the Constitution of the United States other than born in the U.S. and be the age 35 uh, that you have to fulfill. One does not have to take a cognitive test. And remember, these things, these things matter. But isn't that saying something weird about us that this is kind of where we're at? That... That if you if you were really to poll America, like really take a look, there's a great majority of people be like, hell yeah, give them a cognitive test. What are you nuts? These people, absolutely, absolutely. But then most people think you have to be crazy to run for president anyway. They would love to see it as much as as much as I I want to cheer it on. All right, and, and think that it's adorable. It's it's something quite incredible and problematic to the nation uh, when uh, you 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 go down this road. What is it that we're actually saying? Is there any doubt that we take a look at this? We take a look at Joe Biden and say that guy is not all right because that guy is not all right. He is not mentally fit to do the job. And you say to me, well, Tony, that's a conversation about age. Let me uh, bring you to Illinois, where you have a councilman by the name of Josh McBroom out of Napierville. And he's got an answer to the illegal immigration issue. And the answer is a sign-up sheet so you can house them. 
you know, we do hear from constituents on both sides of this. What are we going to do to preemptively stop this? And then we hear from people that tell us we should do more. So, you know, we do have a, a very affluent community, a lot of big homes. And um, what I'd like to do is direct staff to create a sign-up sheet. So, you know, for individuals that would be willing to house migrant families. Um, and if there's people that would do that, God bless them. Um, so if we could raise, raise awareness in that way, um, I think we need to find out. I think we need to find out who would be willing to house migrant families. And uh, so that, that would be my new business. I'm, I'd be looking for you know, support from, from the dais. Any questions, discussion, happy to have that. Does anybody think that guy passes a competency test? Take illegal immigrants who you know nothing about and put them in your home with your young children. I want to know exactly how many single males he is going to take into his home and whether or not he has young daughters. And if you say to me, how dare you, Tony, I'm discussing reality. That guy needs a competency test because that's the craziest damn idea I ever did here. Why in the world should we turn people around, send people back, have rules and regulations at the border? The answer is open up your homes. You see, the third uh, uh, amendment only talks about the quartering of soldiers. Doesn't say anything about the quartering of people who are entering illegally and could be constituted as invaders. No, not at all. That guy needs a competency test. You think it's just Biden and Trump? You're out of your damn mind. Competency test? Here's another one. Any plans to visit the southern border before the election? The president was in, visited the border recently. In January. Well, yeah, there. that was that was a year ago. He's been there. Um, in December 2023, there were 300,000 migrant encounters, which is the highest month ever on record. So how Can we just stop? He visited the border a year ago. He was in El Paso. He wasn't at the border. He was miles from the border. What? Double check me. Was he in El Paso or was he in San Antonio? A year ago, I was at the border in McAllen. My hand was in the Rio Grande. I watched it afterwards. I was there. I spoke with a border patrol. He was in El Paso. Thank you, producer Jason. That's not being at the border. Competency test. Get it done. There's a never-ending number of people who need this test so desperately. It goes on and on and on. Somebody who does not need a competency test is Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey out of California, we're talking about the former Los Angeles Dodger. He is on the debate stage running for Senate. He's running against Adam Schiff. He's running against Katie Porter, Representative Katie Porter. Dude, the knock on her, I, I believe every word, that she is just as nasty and mean-spirited as the day is long. But he's the only Republican on the stage. You've got Porter, you've got Schiff, and then you've got Barbara Lee on the stage. And Steve Garvey is discussing uh, how Adam Schiff lied 
uh, about Trump and 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 about everything involving Russia, 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 and then Schiff decides he's gonna get all high and mighty with him, and Garvey lowers the boom. Thank you, Mr. Garvey. All right, we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna, gonna I'm gonna insist on answering. All right. Just call a liar by Mr. Garvey. Okay, thirty. Mr. Seconds. Garvey, I was censured for standing up to a corrupt president, and you know something? I would do it all over again. Because that corrupt president, that president who's been indicted with 94 felony, 91 felony counts, that president that you won't refuse to support, yeah, he's a danger. And I will stand up to him and Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan and any of those MAGA enablers of his in the Congress. The reason why our democracy is in trouble is because folks don't have the courage to stand up when they need to. Okay, thank you very much. So we're going to keep, we're going to keep, we're going to keep let moving. Me, let me just heap that. Both my name. All right. Real quick. Sir, you lied to 300 million people. You can't take that back. Okay, we're going to keep moving. Uh, this is the Schiff competency test. Steve Garvey, where do I donate? Holy crap. Oh, so good. So good. And of course he did. Of course he lied. Of course he lied. I've got the proof. I I can't share with you all the data, Chuck Todd, but I know that we've got more information regarding Trump and what he did. You had nothing. You lied. You lied during the daytime. You lied during the nighttime. You lied over the weekends. You lied about everything. Competency test for Adam Schiff. Uh, for, for, for Steve Garvey. Uh, honestly, honestly, where do I donate? Where, 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 where do I give that dollar? Uh, there, there sadly won't be competency tests, but maybe I'm saying it wrong. Um. If we need competency tests for political candidates outside our own vote, we're the ones who need the competency test. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The Dow. Down 111, the NASDAQ up 24. I mean, it's just... It, it, sometimes, it, look, it, it's not the end of the world. People get concerned about these things. What's going to happen to this, that, and the other? What is it telling us? It's one day. It's not a week's worth of these kinds of things. And, and there's a little too much pressure that we put on ourselves uh, regarding uh, the markets uh, to begin with. Tony Katz, uh, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on over there at TonyCats.com. But this is the story. This one is amazing. Netflix to stream WWE Raw. It's a $5 billion deal. $5 billion. 10-year deal. That's $500 million a year for those of you playing the home game. That is incredible. So this is for uh, Raw, and Netflix will become the home for SmackDown, NXT, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Royal Rumble. Honestly, I haven't watched a a Royal Rumble um, since uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker left, and I'm, unless he comes back, I'm not I'm not I'm not watching. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to have rules. You you bring me Snooker. You bring me uh, the magnificent Don Morocco. A little Mr. Wrestling 2. I want some Junkyard Dog in there. And sure, sure, you can bring me Ric Flair. He's 183 years old. But as long as we're going that old, I need some Tommy Wildfire Rich. I don't even know if he's still alive. Because Roddy Piper's not alive. But I don't know if Tommy Rich is still alive. And then I need some Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. I, so, yes, I was a Georgia Championship Wrestling guy. I, 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 I kid you not. But I, 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 left, I, I left that behind years ago. People have not left it behind. This, if this isn't the proof of its popularity and explains so much about Dwayne Johnson and John Cena and being able to make that jump, I, I, I'm curious to, to who's next from that world. What was that? I know Jimmy Snuka is gone. Uh, I don't need to be reminded, Producer Jason, that Jimmy Snuka, the great Jimmy Superfly Snuka, is gone. All right? Don't make me tear up. I'm just saying, that to me is a Royal Rumble. And as for who jumps now into, into fame, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. But it, it, you, you want to be like, oh, it's fake? Okay, sure. You want to be like, oh, it's ridiculous? Feel free. $5 billion. Ball game. Vince McMahon is a genius. Genius. That's all there is to it. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz today.